0: If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. We're gonna continue to experience God together today. Uh, Normally, I celebrate right here. We're gonna come back to that in a few minutes and you'll see why. Uh, But I do wanna mention this real quick, that next Sunday night at 6 p.m., we are having a Pentecost Sunday rally. Now, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. It's the birthday of the church and we all get to be candles with fires over our head. Come on, somebody. It's gonna be amazing, don't miss next week, but then especially just put it on your calendar, mark it up, I know some of us, you know, really are sacred about Sunday nights, Uh, but 6 p.m. Sunday night, with no time limit, not that we're purposely being long, but so often our services are so timed now. With no time limit, we can have lots of altar time, uh, believing for amazing things that God's going to do, baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, as well as physical healings and different manifestations. Uh, A guest evangelist friend of mine, Pastor Daniel Norris, will be here. He wrote a book called Trail of Fire, where he followed revival through the centuries and across America. Really powerful book, powerful man of God. It's going to be a amazing on Pentecost Sunday night. So make sure you put that on your calendar and be here next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Uh, with that being said, let me, um, let me just say this: something we can all agree upon, I think. You want the best spouse for your child when they grow up. Yep. Assuming when they grow up, right? You don't want a bad spouse. In fact, every guy, especially guys with girls, like, like she brings home a boyfriend and you start sizing him up real fast. Is he good enough to be with my daughter? Because what you may know, how many guys, just stick your hand up in the air, just wave it at me. This is what you may not know about everybody with their hand up. They are a potential murderer. Like, yeah, they look nice and happy. They got their Bible. They look like all, you know, but you touch their daughter the wrong way. They'll spend the rest of their life in jail with a smile on their face. Are you with me? Because because we want our kids to marry the right person. And sometimes they come home with Mr. Wrong, thinking they're Mr. Right. Then it's complicated as parents because you don't want the Romeo and Juliet effect. Like if you tell them not to date this person, then they're gonna do it just to spite you. So you got this like balance thing that you're, that you're trying to do, which, which made me start thinking about this. Like we have people in our church that are arranging marriages from birth now. Don't know if you know this. So like some of our pastors are like, you know, Ben Lee's getting married to Selah or whatever. Like it's already set up. It's already done. I don't care if they like each other. We got this handled. We know who the parents are. Right. And so I was thinking about arranged marriages and thinking like, like, like um, who should arrange a marriage? Because first of all, I want to point out this. Like I know this is not popular, but I'm just going to point this out, make everybody mad at me. Okay. It's probably not a good idea if it's completely the child, the young adult, the, the person getting married. Because you need the community. You know, that's the theme this month, community and fellowship. You need the community around you who can help you make decisions sometimes. Because sometimes we think with our heart, not our head. And there is a whole lot of people. I won't make you say amen or lift your hands. But there's a whole lot of people in this room working on a second marriage right now that you wish somebody had slapped you when you were dating in the first marriage. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? You're like, I wish like like why did they let me do this? Right. Because you need a community around you to help, you know, make the right choices. Because we start thinking with our hearts, you know, and, and we're not rational when we're thinking with our hearts and not thinking with our head. So you need people around you. So who is that person? Maybe it's maybe it's the the parents, right? There's culture still today that there's arranged marriages. We'll talk to one in just a moment where the parents are deeply involved. Maybe it's the church community. Uh, uh, maybe it's the matchmakers, whether that be online matchmakers, eHarmony, right? Match.com, BlackPeopleMeet.com, FarmersOnly.com whatever. Whatever it is, like, like, like you got your online matchmakers. Not that any of those are wrong, so maybe they should be involved. Uh, you got your, your Uncle Willie and your cousin Aunt Beth or whatever and, and all those people that are always trying to set you up, right? You know, from the time you graduate high school, they think you're supposed to be married and they're trying to set you up with everybody else that they know. You get those kind of matchmakers. You get the community of, of people. And I, and I think when we talk about who's arranging your marriage, I, I, I really think a community of all of those things, at least somewhat involved, is a healthy thing. Not that you need to listen to everything your Aunt Betsy says. Not, not, that, not that you need to listen to everything everybody else says around you. But I do think it's a valuable lesson to learn from what they're saying. In fact, when I do pre counseling, one of the questions I ask people is, what does your family and friends think about this marriage? I ask them that really early. Because if they're going, God put us together and we're going to fight through hell and high water and everybody in our life is against it, I'm going, all right, let's put on the brakes. Let's talk about this. Maybe, just maybe, they're seeing something you're not seeing. Let's talk about this. Why are they against it, right? And certainly, you know, not every marriage is going to be where, you know, everybody completely gets along, you know, and, and some fathers are never going to be any guy that's good enough for his daughter, that kind of thing, but, but it happens. So the question that comes up is, who is arranging your marriage? Now, This is not just for unmarried people who will be married. It's also for people who are married. I'd ask you the same question. Who is arranging your marriage? If you are married, who's in charge of it? Who's orchestrating it? If you're not married, who is going to be orchestrating it? Who is leading you to the right one? Because what if there was a person, what if there was someone who not only knows who you are, but also knows who you're going to be? Because everybody in this room that's over 30 years old or so, you know that who you are at 20 is not who you are at 30 or 40 or 50. And so sometimes you get married to somebody based on who you are at 20 and find out by the time you're 30, you are not even the same people. You don't have the same goals. Your life is radically different. What if there's somebody that knew you at 30 and 40 and knows who you're going to be that can set you up in the future for success? Because I believe that the foremost person that should be involved in your marriage, whether married or unmarried, whether it's arranging the marriage to start or whether it's arranging the way the marriage focuses once it is together, is Jesus Christ. The Lord God himself, because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows that what might be compatible right now may not be compatible at 40, right? He knows. And so we need God to arrange our marriage. Now, there's a cool story in the Bible about it in Genesis chapter 24. When we go to the book of Genesis, it's an interesting book. Uh, many of you know Genesis, even if you're not from a church background, you know it's the first book of the Bible. It's Genesis. It's the beginnings. Uh, you know that. It's, it's interesting because Genesis starts and ends with a unique theme. It starts with, in the beginning, God, which is beautiful. It's this picture of the omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God. It, it's this picture of how big, great, and grand God is, all-knowing. And then Genesis ends with, and Joseph died in the story of Joseph's death. The frailty of humanity, no matter how called you think you might be, no matter how awesome you think you might be, there's a 100% death rate in this room. And so Genesis becomes a contrast from the intro to the outro of one who knows everything, has all power, and one who is so frail they can't even not survive death. Even as great as Joseph was in his lifetime, and he was pretty amazing, he still cannot survive death. And so you get this contrast between the two in the book of Genesis. And you see this story of Joseph where God is weaving his life throughout it. Now it goes into, much of Genesis is the story of Abraham. Not all of it, but much of it is the story of Abraham. And God gives this promise to this fellow Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Y'all know that, okay, right? Four of you know it, all right. So Abraham is the blessed man. He has the covenant with God. Abraham is going to be somebody who his offspring are going to be like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. In other words, they're not going to be even counted. It's going to be so many. I'm going to turn you into a great nation, but let alone he does not have any kids when he's 20 or when he's 30 or when he's 40. He doesn't have kids when he's 60 or 70. He is like a hundred years old when he finally has children. So therefore, when he has this child, this blessed child that he's been waiting on, they name him Isaac. He is the son of promise. You talk about pampered. I imagine Isaac was pampered. Like, like this isn't grandparents taking care of your kids. This is like great-great-grandparents taking care of the kid. You know, they can't, like, you know, spoil him and send him home. He's just going to spoil him. And so he grows up like this. And in Genesis 24, Abraham's wife, Sarah, has just died. And now... Isaac is at marrying age and Abraham says, I need to find a wife for Isaac. And he's so old at this point, he does not feel he can personally do it. He's got to travel to do it. And so he calls in his trusted servant, Eleazar, calls him into the room, says, Eleazar, I want you to find a a, a servant. I'm sorry, I want you to find a bride for my son, Isaac. And I want you to do it in the verse one through four. I want you to do it not from the people here. He's in Canaanite country. So not from the Canaanites. I want you to go back to my people to find a bride. It's an interesting phrase. This is not what the message is about at all. But I will tell you this. For everybody who's seeking out to get married, seek out from your people. Your people is not the color of your skin. It's the author of their life. Your people are Christian people. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Your people are the ones who are followers of Christ. Jesus would call this being unequally yoked. Paul would mention it as well. That there usually becomes problems when you think you're going to be an evangelist with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Now, I know there's stories where it works out. But even in those stories, most of the time, they will tell you it is better to marry somebody who's chasing after God just as you are. Your people, the Christians. So he says, go back to... to to my people and find a a bride for Isaac. Now, you got to put yourself in poor Eleazar's circumstance. This is a really difficult request. This is a ton of responsibility. Isaac is carrying on the blessing that Abraham started. The whole nation of Israel, now they don't know this yet, is going to be birthed through their lineage. Isaac is the next part of the promise from God to change the whole world. To, to put somebody on a throne that would literally rock the world named Jesus that eventually comes through that lineage. That is a giant responsibility to a guy who's not even Hebrew himself. He doesn't, he doesn't know Abraham's Aunt Betsy. He's like, you want me to go where? So he kind of questions it a little bit, says, all right, I'll do it. And so he goes back to his land, back to Abraham's land, to find a spouse. And that's where we pick up the story, Genesis chapter uh, 24, verse 10. Now, I'm just warning you now, we're not going to read all of this. You can go back and read it later. But for the sake of time, we'll make it a little shorter. It says, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Nahar, Naharam, and made his way to the town of Nahor. He came, uh, or he, sorry, he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward the evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed. Then he what? Then he prayed, Lord, God of my servant Abraham. It's not even his God. He doesn't even have a genuine relationship with the Lord. He has a relationship through Abraham to get to the Lord. God of my servant Abraham, my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. He's praying. He's seeking God. See, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of this townspeople are coming out to draw water. God, please let this be Abraham's family. I don't know them. <laughs> may it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar so that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Okay, so she's going to add to it. So she's a hardworking woman that's going to say this exact phrase. Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. I want you to see this. This is one big point we're making this morning. This man, he wasn't just looking for love. He was looking for God's will. Whether you are married or unmarried, the truth is the same in both of those. It's not just looking for love. If you just look for love, you will look for love in all the wrong places as the old song would go. If you are just looking for love, you will find yourself in the clubs in Ybor City thinking you're gonna find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right down there. If you are just looking for love, you will look in all the wrong places. But when you are looking for God's will, he usually brings you the right person. <laughs> so he lays out this fleece before the Lord, so to speak. That's the way we used to say it back in the day. He, he lays out this fleece before the Lord. He says, God, I want you to show me by this woman having this conversation with these exact words. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but Rebecca comes out. She is beautiful. First of all, I just want to point out, in fact, go, go, to, go to that next slide just for the sake of, of showing it. She comes out and she is beautiful, it says right there. She was the wife of Abraham's brother, so she's a relative. That's what he's looking for. She was a woman, was very beautiful. For the record, for every guy in this room, and it's usually guys, not females, it's usually the guys. When you surrender your love life to God, that does not mean he sends you an ugly woman who's godly. Because I know that's the fear. It's an unspoken fear. You're not going to say it, but you're like, God, if I give you my love life, she might be godly, but she's ugly. I know, man. I'm just keeping it real, keeping it real. He surrenders his love life. God brings him a beautiful woman for the record. Okay. Just want to point that out, right? So he sends her. She's family. She has the exact conversation that he had prayed for. The exact conversation. And I want you to see this. To the level that you're willing to surrender over to Christ is to the level you can experience the blessings of Christ. There are three areas that we really struggle to receive the blessings of Christ in our life and three areas that we also struggle to surrender to Christ. Three areas that many churches are afraid to talk about. We talk about it. We meddle all the time. Get over it. Jesus did. We will. Money. You talk about money. People leave the church. People get upset. They get angry. Money. Ah, you know, people lose their minds because I don't want God touching my money. Right? So money. Politics. Oh, my. Oh, my. Politics. I start talking about politics. Half the room going, you curse me. They're like, I'll come back when this series is over. All right. We don't want to talk about politics. right? So we end up not surrendered to the Lord because we won't talk about it. Third one, our love life. Don't tell me who I should date and who I shouldn't. Don't tell me who I should sleep with and who I shouldn't. Don't tell me. But until you surrender these things to the Lord, you will never see the blessing of God in those things. So God is active and involved in our life up to the level of our surrender to him. If you want him involved in your love life, surrender it to him. If you want him involved in your finances, surrender it to him. That's the way it works. Because until it's out of my hands and into somebody else's hands, that somebody else can't do anything with it. As long as I'm holding on to my love life, and I know who I want, and I know what I... As long as we are with that kind of attitude, God can't take it and bless it. So, so, so... You see that in the story of Isaac and Rebecca. But what if the story was not just with Isaac and Rebecca? What if there was modern-day stories that were similar or maybe even greater, just to be honest with you? Today I get to share with you a modern-day story that I'm very excited to share. You're going to love this. Um, And I told you I was going to wait to celebrate for a moment. And I want to celebrate with you Pratyash and Ashley, if you guys could come on up. These are our new directors of outreach and evangelism. You're going to get to know them a lot this morning. They are absolutely amazing. And they um, are missionaries from India to us in the United States uh, that we will be working with. Uh, pratiash and, and, well, you'll hear this in a minute, but they travel around the world sharing the gospel. Uh, primarily called to the Middle East but making the United States a hub that they can go out of. And, uh, and our missionaries, just like the United States, sent missionaries around the world. They are missionaries to us from India. And love, love, love their story. Now, <clears throat> their story if you think you have a good love story is about to make you sick. It totally should be a Bollywood movie with dancing and singing and all of it right there. So in order to tell your story, let's start here. Uh, let's just give some context of where your story kind of starts at. First of all, uh, 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 both of you felt called into ministry, and neither one of you were really looking for marriage at all. In fact, Ashley, you were really against it. So Pratyash, you first. So you were called into ministry, doing ministry, not interested in marriage. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, I was called by God to ministry when I was 16 years old and completely in love with God. And um, I was, when uh, like, it was 25 years. Like, I, I happened to came to know about Ashley, but by that time... The Lord was using me around the world, traveling and preaching the gospel and uh, when I met Jesus and I was in complete love with him, and I told that, Lord, I don't want to marry anybody because I just want to go around the world, share the gospel, you know I don't want to I want to take risks, so if I have someone else with me, maybe it's difficult, so let me go out to the world and I'm ready to die for you and that was my heart's desire, so I was not against marriage, but I was thinking like... I can do more things alone and uh, that's what my desire was all about
0: so 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 this story starts you're 25 years old so you're still very young and you're not that old now but you're you're very young then 25 years old you're already preaching around the world you are what we would say in the united states running with your hair on fire preaching the gospel all over the world doing crusades miracles healings uh, a lot of prophetic words and things that you do god's using you in mighty ways so why would i slow down to take a wife is that kind of accurate? Yes. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul. It's like if I take a wife, well, then I have another responsibility. It just slows me down from doing what God's called me to do. So that was your Of course, attitude.
1: yes. Okay. Because, yeah, that's true.
0: Ashley, now you are a different story. So you were supposed to be a doctor until God got involved. And you also were not interested at all in getting married.
2: Yeah. Um, I was studying my bachelor's in biomedical science at USF. And my whole goal in life was to be a doctor and just to help people. But God, in the middle of my journey after getting my bachelor's degree, the Lord told me, um, my call for you is that you would preach the gospel to the nations. So when I heard that voice, I was like, I heard the audible voice. I was like, okay, God, I surrender. And he asked me to go to Bible college, the Lord asked me. So I just went to Bible college. But the main reason why I was against marriage was because I grew up in a broken home where I had never met my dad and I was raised basically by my mom. So my whole thing in my life was, I don't wanna get married because of the pain that's already happened in my family.
0: Yeah, so you're really against marriage, Ashley. You're just chasing after Christ so much you're not interested in marriage. I want to point this out to everybody here who's not married. One of the keys is to chase after God and, and surrender your life to him, not chase after a relationship. Oftentimes, this has aided my story and many other people in this room, when you give your love life to Christ is when he actually sends the person to you. When you say, God, I'm, I'm just done. I'm not dating anybody until you whatever. When you do that, a lot of times that's actually when God shows up. Yeah. Shows up. Okay. Uh, all right. So <clears throat> now in 2017, well, let's backtrack just a second. There were funny things about the two of you guys uh, that that uh, people would not necessarily normally know. You were dead set against marrying an Indian man. Why is that?
2: Um, so because my mom married from India, I didn't want to marry from India. I thought, okay, all Indian men will just like want to use you or whatever. I was so against, like my heart was against India period. Like I, if I was going to get married, it was not going to be from India. That was my like, main so goal. You're not going to get married, but if I'm
0: definitely not getting married to an Indian yeah. man. Cause he just wants a green card, yeah. right? That's, that's the way it. you told that's me. That's it. Boy, he, just, he just wants a green card and then he'll yeah. leave me and treat me bad yeah. uh, That was, that was kind of your experience. Uh, uh, and then you didn't want an American girl.
1: Of course, I never wanted an American girl. <laughs> I love this.
0: Of course I didn't want an American girl. Why, why did you not want an American girl?
1: Because all the stories that we heard back in India, and uh, we have had a lot of people coming here, <laughs> broken marriages, and um, some people telling that I'm not seeing my wife. She's going somewhere else, and I'm so scared because I want to travel around, you know. I don't want to miss my wife, so I didn't... <laughs>
0: So this is what I learned.
1: You American girls, y'all got a reputation. Sorry. No, I didn't mean that. He's like,
0: I don't want an American girl because they date everybody and they're promiscuous. And, you know, that's what you see on television, right? Watching too much sex in the city or whatever, right? And you see all this kind of stuff. He's like, I, ain't, I don't want no American girl. So, so, so it's a funny little thing in, inside of all this. All right. So now you, uh, Pratyash, are traveling the world. God's using you mightily. And you end up in this place in Amman. And somebody starts coming to you and you have a couple confirmations telling you to take a 45-day uh, sabbatical, time off, which is not in your nature at all because you are running and God's moving. But God says take a 45 days. Start talking about that.
1: I was preaching in Oman and uh, I was leaving that country my last session. And uh, at the end of the session, I had to run to the airport. So a lady and her husband came up to me asking me about just give me your details, your name, your how old are you, my, my dad's de- details and everything. And I prayed with her, and I left the place, and when I'm on the flight, the Lord began to speak to me that you need to take a 45 days break from everything. I mean, I was already scheduled with a lot of traveling and everything. What were you scheduled for next? I was planning. I mean, invited to Europe to preach, and that was my first visit. Preaching and...
0: all over Europe?
1: Yes. Yeah, so... Like, you could
0: skip the Middle East.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a new opportunity, and I've never been to Europe. I've just seen the pictures, and I was really excited then I came to India, and the very next day morning, one of my prayer partners, she called me and said that, Pratyas, the Lord want to speak to you that you need to take a 45-day break And exactly the same word that the Lord told me in the flight. And I'm like, this is, this is really scary. I think I should do it.
0: This is what happens when you have a life that's surrendered to God. He can lead that life. Whatever area of your life you surrender to God. Andrew Murray says it this way. He said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. If you yield your life, when you surrender your life to God, it becomes his responsibility. He's the arranger of your life. Okay. All right, 2017, it's your birthday. You are starting out your 45 days of of non-ministry. You missed Germany. You missed Europe, which was the more exciting part, rather than some of the other places you do ministry, which stinks. But God called you to it, so you're doing it. So, So what begins to happen?
1: So May 9th is my birthday. I was in my home, and that day morning I had a special encounter with the Lord, and the Lord began to tell me that the person that I've prepared for you is about to come in your life and she will be the person who will fulfill the purpose and the call that I've put in your life. And I was just 25 years, and I'm not thinking about marriage much, but this word really was like, oh God, someone who's going to fulfill my call, then I need it. But I couldn't tell this to my dad because I was very shy even now. (laughs) But I didn't tell my dad. It was deep in my heart. So, that was something that happened to me.
0: So, on, on May 9th,
1: then, your dad gets a phone call? Yeah. On, on May 10th okay, na- e- um, evening, my, go- my dad got a call, and uh, this is a pastor, Thomas, who's calling from Atlanta, from United States, and he was telling, asking my dad about me and everything, and my dad is like, where do you get my son's details? And he said, my sister, who is in Oman, when your son was preaching there, she felt tell you this she called me and said that she saw a picture of myself and ashley together and the lord spoke to her it's your responsibility to bring them together so (laughs) what she did was that she called her brother in united states and this brother pastor thomas knows me from my age of eight so he took the responsibility to take this connection to my dad on may 10th
0: so so i want you to see this so so you're in india Yes. Well, you have an Indian background. You're American. You're born and raised here. I was
2: born and raised in Tampa. Right,
0: right. Huh?
2: I was born and raised in Tampa.
0: Right. You're you're a local girl. Yeah. Meanwhile, a person in the Middle East is having a vision of the two of you together, calling a pastor in Atlanta to pull you. This is what happens when you surrender your life to Christ. God has a way of arranging things in ways that you and I can never arrange. But again, you are anti-marriage, so May 9th for you. Also looking at that day, with, there's a 17-hour time difference. So essentially at the exact same time that God is speaking to Pratyash, essentially at the same time God begins speaking to you on your last day of college.
2: Um, so on my last day of college, I kind of walk in and there are people around me. I've had so many prophetic words in my past. My mom calls me that morning and goes, Ashley, guess what? Don't shoot me, but I have a arranged a marriage proposal for you. When I heard that, I was like... Um no, Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> happening. I was like, We'll talk she was on a flight to come and visit me to help me move and pack out of college. And so she was like, We'll talk about it when we get there. And I was like, Yeah, of course, whatever. And I just hung up the phone. I went to Bible college that day and there was worship happening and I was just worshiping God. I had totally like forgotten. I was like, well, Whatever, that's not happening. And I was worshiping God with both my hands up in the air. And God spoke to me like I heard the audible voice of God during worship worship saying, you need to go see him in India. And I was like, what? Like, this is not God's voice, but I know it's God's (laughs) voice. And I'm like having this eternal struggle in the middle of worship. And I'm like, okay, God, I know it's your voice. I submit. But I didn't, I really didn't want to see him. I was like, I'll obey you because I have to obey you. You know, that was my so,
0: so this is great. So you don't want to submit. By the way, this is an audible voice of God, right? Yeah. Like most people never hear the audible voice yeah. of God. He speaks to you multiple times in this yeah. story audibly. Yeah. So, so, so then you guys are going to exchange photos because that would be the very first thing because you got to send photos back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. So Pratyash, you send the traditional.
1: <laughs>
0: but talk about the photo you sent.
2: I sent a picture of myself when I was 18 years old, and I was 23 at the time. So I sent a five-year-old, like, baby picture of myself with a lot of jewelry, something that his family is not really for, traditionally speaking, Pentecostal background in India. They don't wear jewelry. So I wore a ton of jewelry in that She photo. Says she looked like Mr. T. All the makeup that I could. I mean, anything <laughs> to, like, kind of... Help him to say no to me before he met me.
0: <laughs> so you're trying to you're trying to like end this thing before it ever starts. Yeah. Like you I don't want me. Want I'm an American girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So uh, May 9th God begins speaking to you again. Uh, time difference is different, which is your birthday. God begins speaking to you by the eleventh. You guys agree to meet, right?
1: Yes. We got a phone call from Ashley's side, and uh, then my dad. Uh, I was staying with the other prayer partner who told me to take rest for 45 days. So I told her, I'm coming and staying with you. So I, my dad called me and said that, you know, we got a phone call from uh, some place. I need you to come back home. And then he told me that you have a marriage proposal. And before hearing anything, I told my dad, you know, I need to go with it. And my dad is like, you didn't ask me where it is from. I said, like, now tell me where it is from. And he told me like it's from United States which was very difficult for me, <laughs> but we decided to meet, and it took almost a month, and on June 6th, we were planning to meet each other.
0: So so you get put in this tough spot, like, like help me out, but Pratyash, you, you are like, like God said, she's the one, like she's going to fulfill you, yes. you know, be a, a key part of your ministry, fulfill your call is what I was trying to say. So God speaks that to you at the exact same time, then it's an American girl with a bunch of jewelry and makeup <laughs> Yes. So you're just you're just like, what, what's going through your I mind at this
1: point? I was going through a lot of struggle because <laughs> my desire is to fulfill God's call. And this is entirely going to be different because she's American. I mean, which is very difficult for me. She's wearing a lot of jewelry. And I know the culture differences a lot. And I'm crying. And the Lord told me one evening, one night when I was in my prayer, prayer room, the Lord told me that he began to show me who she is and what's her strength and how she's going to cover up my weakness and which in my heart I'm like I'm hearing this for the first time and the Lord began to tell me that she will be the best person for you on fulfilling my call and that really started changing my all my you know thought process and my perspectives I began to get you know changed inward inside
0: yeah that's so good And then uh, uh, your mom had actually said to you, I guess a few times over the years, but especially through this, that God will send the right person for your life.
2: I kept arguing with my mom even after I had heard the voice of God. I was like, Mom, I don't know about this. I can't do this. And she said, God will pick the right person for you. And she's like, you don't have to worry. I have prayed, and what happened in my life will never happen in yours. And she she kept saying this, God will pick the right person.
0: I love it I love it and so but you were married to Jesus yes <laughs> that's For, what I used to tell like, people my
2: goal was forever be married to Jesus <laughs> Jesus and I that's love. it yeah
0: <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so June, so this happens really quickly. So we go from May 9th, 10th, and 11th to June 5th and 6th. And uh, anybody uh, that that were in the earlier services, we didn't get to go into all this because of time restraints. But So you get there. June 6th, you're scheduled to meet. But, Ashley, you were praying going, I want to see him before June 6th.
2: Yeah, so the arranged marriage, um, how it works in India is you meet each other in front of your families. So you don't get to see the boy other than the picture. So I was like, God, I really can't do that. Because if I see him and I don't like him, it's going to be shown on my face. And I don't (laughs) want to So you're doing the whole God's going to
0: send you an ugly guy. (laughs)
2: So I was like, I was really like, oh, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen on this one. This is going to be bad. And so I kept praying to God. I said, God, if you can, show me a sign And let me meet him somewhere outside, like a restaurant or something, um, the day before. I kept praying that. And then I just left it to the Lord. And then on June 5th, I woke up that morning and I was spending some quiet time with the Lord. And I felt just inside my heart, you're going to see him today. I was like, what? What? And I I called my mom, I said, Mom, are we meeting him today or tomorrow? She said, tomorrow. And I was like, no, 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 you need to call him. I think you got the day mistaken. And my mom was like, well, if he comes today, he's not gonna see anyone. He's gonna see your grandmother and he's gonna leave. (laughs) And he's just gonna check your grandmother out and leave. And I was like, okay, fine. But that day, um, it was raining and we went shopping that day. And on June 5th, as I walked into a restaurant, he was standing there.
0: Which is, yeah, which is amazing. But you weren't supposed to be there. We don't need all that story, but we weren't, you weren't supposed to be there. You were staying home, and your dad essentially sent you to town. So you end up being obedient yeah. going into town. But this is part of the funny part of the story. So, so Ashley, you had been Facebook stalking Pratios because yeah, he's on Facebook. So you knew what he looked like.
2: Yeah, I knew through my cousin's Facebook what he looked like.
0: But you're not you, you didn't have anything on Ashley because she's not on any Instagram, Facebook or anything. You had a, a five-year-old Mr. T picture.
1: Yes. <laughs> she was not there on Facebook, Instagram and nowhere, and she gave me a picture that's about eighteen years old. <laughs> and then I was in a in a restaurant and with my brother I was coming out because it was raining outside. We thought to spend some time in restaurant. And now when I'm here to pay my bill, I'm seeing a girl coming inside looking at me so strangely (laughs) and i'm like did i made up any mess in my dressing and i was really confused and then her mom comes and looks i mean staring at me and i'm so worried i told my brother let's go out from this place this place is crazy (laughs) it's a crazy woman (laughs) and i went from that place and i never knew who she is but the next day when, we, when our families came to meet each other, I saw Ashley laughing at me. And I'm like, maybe this is the American culture. Because in Indian culture, when, people, you know, when the girl comes to meet the guy, she might be a little bit nervous, but she is laughing too much. And then her mom says, we met him yesterday. And my dad is so angry at me. I mean, like, how could you meet her yesterday? Because you didn't tell me. But this was something amazing. you like, met who? Yeah. <laughs>
0: you didn't know. So, Ashley, but you knew it at the time that he didn't recognize you. So yeah, you were I offended knew. at that.
2: Yeah, I knew he didn't know me. So I ran up the stairs so he couldn't see me. All
0: right. So this arranged marriage thing happens the next day. So June 6th, you got both families coming together. Now, I don't know how it really happens. I picture this like north and the south with a line down yeah. the middle, and we're going to shoot rockets at each other. That's especially from your story. And so they begin talking. You guys never actually talk at all to each other. The family begins talking to each one of you. And your family, Ashley, doesn't like Pratyash because he is a preacher. Pratyash, your family, doesn't like Ashley because she is American. And those American girls, man, you guys, y'all got to get a better reputation, you girls. (laughs) So so talk us through that.
2: Um, So my parents... They Like, my family members, none of them wanted me to even follow the call of God over my life. So, they were, like, literally, oh, Lord, we're about to lose Ashley if she marries this pastor. So, they basically asked him so many questions, like, what do you make? And he would answer things like, I live by faith. And my parents (laughs) were like, my whole family was like, what? Like... (laughs) We're not letting Ashley marry or even talk to him. And, of course, his family had their own concerns also, which I'll let him share. How
0: did you respond to those questions? I love this.
1: They asked another question, like, if Ashley come, I mean, if we give Ashley to you, where, would, where will you take her? I said, I want her to come with me to the villages in India, and they were so offended. <laughs> and then the, the next question, how much money do you make? I said, I don't make money. I live by faith. That's so what every
0: was, father wants their daughter to marry, Right. <laughs> just live by faith
1: and one more question if you ever come to United States will you work so I told them that I was working before and I left everything now I'm following Jesus I will never work (laughs) and you know how they can respond they were so angry at me they didn't give me a (laughs) chance to speak to her at all so I saw her from a distance we smiled each other and we left the place
0: so uh, to fill in some blanks so, Ashley, your family doesn't like him because he's a preacher, and so they start speaking down to him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think some of it is your defensiveness as they're speaking yes. down to you, going, I work for Jesus, and I live by fa-, you know. And so there's some of that. But as a, as a father, as a parent, that's, that's what you want to marry, right? Like, he's refusing to work. If you come to the United States will you work, no. <laughs> awesome. So, so that doesn't go very well. Plus, you're probably wearing jewelry. Yes. And, you know, you American girls. And so... <coughs> So the you guys never actually talk. You leave one another, uh, and and it's done. You say no, right?
2: I said no. They wanted an answer, and I was like, "Well, I never talked to him, so my answer is going to be." And you no. didn't want to marry an Indian guy I anyway. To marry Indian guy. I didn't want. I didn't. I was like totally against India. So I was like, "No, I don't want to marry an Indian guy," even though I'm from India and I know mm-hmm. the culture. I was just no. I was so hurt by that. But then, is it the next
0: me. day God begins speaking to you? Uh,
2: Yeah, the minute I said no officially, the Lord, I was on vacation and the Lord spoke to me while I was walking down this forest and he said, "Um, Ashley, why did you say no to my son without even asking me? And when I heard that audible voice, I just wanted to hit the floor crying. I went home and I was like, God, Why'd you say that to me in the middle of the forest? And God began to speak to me like, this is my will for you. Um, I want you to consider this. And he said, even though you said no, in our culture, when you say no, it's a no, it'll never come back. No the guy is not allowed to come back and ask, and I'm not allowed to come back and say, Hey, I want to meet him again. But God spoke to me. He said, On Wednesday, you'll get a phone call from Pastor Thomas in Atlanta. He will ask your mom if you want to meet him on Saturday. Say yes. And I said, Okay, God, so far, all you've said to me has happened. All the signs I've asked for has happened, so I trust you. I believe you. And exactly on that Wednesday, we got a phone call, and Saturday, we went and met him.
0: So so with the phone call, though, your mom takes the phone call. Tell that story of the phone call.
2: My mom takes the phone call, and she she answers it, like, halfway across the house. And she comes into my room. She's like, Ashley, I have to talk to you. I want to tell you something. And I said, let me guess. Pastor Thomas called you when is, and uh, today, that day was Wednesday, and I said, she, he's asking if you're willing to meet him on Saturday, and I said to her, say yes, and she's just looking at me, like, how do you know that? Were you listening outside the kitchen? I was like, no, God told me, so exactly what the Lord spoke, he did. So that's what's
0: happening in your life at this point, but Pratyash, you're just all confused, like, like, What's going on in your heart? At I was so
1: broken and so angry with God because I was asking <laughs> the Lord, why did I take this 45 days break just to hear a no from an American girl? <laughs> I'm like, I lost my trip to Europe. I lost my ministry opportunity. I lost my relationships and now I'm hearing negative. And also you told me that she's going to fulfill my call and how this is going to work. And then the Lord told me that you will get another opportunity to know her more. And then I'm like, how will it work? Then the same pastor who called them called me personally and asked me, did you talk to her? I said, no, I didn't get an opportunity. So he said, I will make an opportunity if you are interested. I said, yes, because the Lord has told me that um, this, this girl is special, so I need to meet her again. So on Saturday, we got the opportunity to meet again.
0: So both of you got really good counsel, I think, uh, especially when it's godly counsel, to write in your journal certain things you wanted the other person to say and had kind of a list. If if they're the right ones for me, I want them to say da-da-da-da. There were two key things that you both wanted the other person to say that you ended up saying just before you kind of wrapped everything up, just before you prayed together and such. What are are those things?
2: For me, um, one of the things that I was worried about and I wanted him to say is like, more than your outward appearance, I adore your heart. Because I didn't want anyone to come into my life for the wrong reasons. And so, of course, that's a really difficult thing. Um, Like, when you first meet a person, that's not something you usually say. And as we were wrapping up our conversation, he said exactly that.
0: For the record, if you do say that, that's pretty aggressive. Gentlemen, hold the brakes. First date, (laughs) that's probably not the right thing to say. So that's a God thing. So what was it that you wanted to hear?
1: So in my heart, I was like, I wrote five things, and one of it was very specific. I told, Lord, if this girl is really dedicated for God's call, and if we're going to work together for your kingdom, I want her to speak something very specific. I want her to tell me that I love Jesus, and I'm ready to die for him. And that's something that you cannot expect from a girl when you meet her for the first time. And I said, "Lord, if she's going to speak the exact word, I know that this is the person." And yeah,
0: you put that on your dating profile, like on (laughs) eHarmony, like I'm willing to die for Jesus this week, maybe. You know, if you want to. (laughs) It's not not a high thing that people usually just talk about. So now, uh, Ashley, as you guys are together and you're wrapping up your conversations,
2: Um, I look at him and I say exactly that. I said. I love Jesus more than anything, and I don't put a time limit on his voice. So he may tell me six months, he may t- tell me a year, but I love him so much that I would die for him, and I'm willing to live that kind of life. And then I say, thank you so much, and I say bye. I say, I never. I, we ended in a really powerful time of prayer um, together, and we just prayed for each other with, like, no intentions or anything, and we just left from that place. And
0: how did he... With, with the statement you wanted him to say?
2: Um, when he said that, I was like, terrified. I was but, but, but he did, like, wow. he did say it. He did say okay. it. He said, more than your outward appearance, I adore your heart. And that was the last kind of thing that he said to me before I left the room.
1: I said that because she was even trying to get away from me because she said that if you want to get married with someone else, like you can do that because I might take six months to give you a reply. I not to
0: marry an Indian guy. So
1: that was like again making me mad. So I told her, <laughs> I'm not looking at you for your outward beauty or because you are from United States. I love you because I know who you are inside, and I love you for that reason. So we ended up our conversation. We prayed each other because we knew that we will be used powerfully by God because we understood our calling during that communication. But still we had a lot of troubles with between us. So we just left the place that, that Saturday.
0: Yeah, yeah. and that, that's such a powerful thought right there. I hope you're getting this. When God writes your story, you can fall in love with somebody before you know them. Think about that. Because God can tell you who they really are more than a Facebook profile is going to tell them who they are. More than an Instagram fake image is going to tell you who they are. So Pratyash is falling in love with who God says Ashley is before he ever met her, which is why he can make the statement. And as I understand it, it was the exact words she had written in her, in her journal. More than your outward appearance, I adore your heart. Okay. But at this point, uh, Ashley, you are still like, like God can hit you with a hammer, yeah. but you are still like, I do not want to get married. I do not want to marry any man. I'm married to a Jewish man named Jesus. That's good for me. i I'm, I'm settled. And so it's still not good. And so let's fast forward to, to uh, Sunday uh, after all this is going on. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, talk, uh, talk talk about Sunday. Um, first of all, what's your schedule like on Sundays?
1: Sunday, I'm really busy in India because we have church services in our church. And also I'm doing services with the medical students in a mm-hmm. medical college. So I'm very busy. And I even told her that Sunday I'll be busy. Yeah. So we might not meet each other.
0: So on that Sunday, you had four different services to yes. go lead, and then on top of that, you have a, a guest that was in town that you were also officiating. Yes. So basically, your Sunday was like, I'm slammed, I'm running, 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 running,
1: right? Yes, exactly. But
0: then Sunday morning, your mother has a vision.
1: Yes. My mom was very burdened because she's wearing a lot of jewelry because it's a big thing there. <laughs> you American in our girls, community. Your jewelry. I mean, it's not the old community, but it's our community, and... Uh, so she was crying. She was burdened. But she is in love with her because we understood who she is. And that day morning, she, I saw her crying in the worship session. And after a while, I'm seeing her so joyful, jumping and dancing. And I thought in my heart, maybe she lost her mind. Maybe she can't bear this pain too Mom much. Mom lost it. Yes. Yeah. And she didn't tell me anything what, what, what made her to jump like that. And later she told me that she saw a vision during the worship that she's meeting Ashley without any jewelry and, with her, and she's wearing a cream-colored dress. And that vision made her to jump and, you know, praise God. And, yes, so after the church, we had a guest people coming, so we had to take him... To the second service and then to the lunch and we went to a restaurant.
0: Yeah, so so you're running around doing ministry at that point, right? All right, so that Sunday morning for you, Ashley, is really crucial. So you end up going to church. Now you've been on a fast, like a total fast, no food, no, no water, food, nothing. No water, no nothing. A fast, and that Sunday morning is kind of like God. I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this if this is your will, and you lay yourself down. Basically, on the front of the church, crying out to God, tell us that story.
2: Yeah, um, so I woke up that morning, and my mom had laid a blue dress out, but... The Lord told me, like, no, you're not supposed to wear the blue dress. You have to wear a cream dress and don't wear your jewelry. So I walked into church just So God spoke to you about what to wear. Yeah. He told me what to wear that day. I was like, I've asked him like a thousand times before, but he never said anything. (laughs) And I was like, this day. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, I came to church and I was so broken. I said, God, I don't know what to do. You know my pain. You know my heart. And I just surrendered in worship, and God began to speak to me about who he was and how God had called us together for a specific purpose in this generation. And I said, I heard the voice of the Lord during worship, and I knew what he spoke. But I said, God, I want one more sign. One um, more sign. Just one more. You haven't had enough I, yet. Know? I haven't had You've spoken had enough. in an audible voice yeah. <laughs> multiple
0: times. Not enough yet. One more sign. I said, and let's go one ahead and make more. it impossible while you're at it.
2: And I said, um, this is impossible because I know he has five meetings, but I want to meet him again randomly at a restaurant. And I don't have his number. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. There's no way we can plan it. But I said I want to meet him one more time.
0: so So church service is over you're still fasting you get in a taxi to take you home
2: uh the taxi driver i don't know why he drove us two hours in the wrong direction i don't know why and then finally um he comes to his senses and drives us in the right direction and then my cousin go we are so hungry we need to stop and eat something and I was like okay well I'm fasting so I'll just go in with you guys and I sit down at the booth at the restaurant and I look halfway across the room and I see this man and his his shoulders are kind of like broad and I'm like I know him from somewhere he looks so familiar and then as soon as I said that or I thought that in my mind he turns around and he looks me straight in the eye and I'm like Oh, Lord, I surrender. Like, I was, I just literally turned my hands towards heaven in the booth. I was like, God, I surrender. I believe. I believe.
0: In so. the whole state of Kerala, you yeah. happen to find yourselves in the same, same restaurant, restaurant at the same time. At the same time. On the day that you said, God, I have yeah. to run into him. Yeah. Yes. And then your mother starts freaking out. Because she's lost her mind twice yes. now.
1: <laughs> she saw her exactly in the same dress with No jewelry. And my mom was crying, and she was like all flowing with joy. They both both hugged each other. (laughs) And uh, it was even for my family, it was a confirmation that God ordained everything. And it was like a big confirmation, even for our family.
0: So your mom had a vision that came to pass when she saw that started because when you go to put on a blue dress, God says put on a cream dress and don't wear any jewelry today.
1: In five hours that vision was fulfilled. I'm
0: telling you, I told you it's gonna ruin your love story. You thought your love story <laughs> was good. A surrendered life right. can be arranged by God. Right. Not just in your relationship, not just in your marriage, but in all things that you surrender to God. Yep. And then it becomes even better. Because you are already serving in ministry, you've been doing your thing, and so so now that's your heart is 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 ministry. So you guys have a wedding. Talk about how you use the ministry or wedding as ministry.
1: We had about 1,500 people attending our wedding. 1,500 people at your yes. wedding. Yes. And uh, we invited a guest preacher, a gospel <laughs> preacher, an evangelist. You had we, a crusade for your wedding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we told him to give an altar call and give a message to the people because there were people coming from different uh, sites and uh, our friends and family and God touched many lives that, that during that uh, wedding session. And many people gave their life to Jesus. Even the videographer, who was a Hindu man, he received Jesus while capturing our wedding. And, and, even, and how many
0: people on YouTube?
1: And some people, they begin to cut the videos and they begin to share it everywhere. Like if you can just type our name, you can find it like somewhere. It's like um, almost 60,000 people have watched the videos and God is still, still blessing many lives. <laughs> and there's one thing that I wanna share that now we minister among the people in Middle East. So we go to some uh, places where we cannot share the gospel, but God used our testimony about how we met each other to, to open God's heart to them. Because our marriage itself is completely God-centered. So when we share our story, then at the end of hearing the story, they will come to tell us that we need your God and we need you to pray for us. Yeah.
0: So good. So good. So you didn't, God sent you on a 45-day sabbatical to meet your wife to prepare you for that. So you didn't get to go to Europe. (laughs) <laughs> but then you did get to go to Europe. How did that play out? Yes.
1: The uncle or the family members who were dead against me. The ones who really didn't like you. Yes. He came up to them and said that we need to uh, conduct this marriage. And he said he doesn't know anything about my Europe trip, but he got, I mean, I don't know. God told him and all. Maybe God told him. He said, I'm going to sponsor the honeymoon trip to Europe. An 18-day trip. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the one who was dead against, against the marriage is now blessing the marriage and saying, yes. we're going to send you to Europe on your honeymoon. And since that time, and you guys haven't been married that long. And you've, you've had, because as you came to the United States, Pratyash, it's, you know, had some distance uh, during that season. Yes. Uh, so you guys together, though, have already ministered in 20 different countries. Is that correct?
1: In two and a half years. In it's going to be years. three years next month.
0: In two and a half years. And I love this because sometimes people look at marriage as a ball and chain. If you go looking for love, it can become a ball and chain. If you go looking for God's will, it becomes a second wing on the bird that allows it to fly and go further and greater. So, one last word tell me, how, how is marriage now, two and a half years into it, being arranged by God?
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. And we are seeing God working more and more. And uh, we see that there is an acceleration that happened in our life. Like we were, about, we were really. Uh, having that desire to fulfill God's call. And when God ordained put us together, we're like, uh, you know, the car with two wheels or whatever, with four wheels, you know, we came together and we began to see the, the fulfillment of every prophecy that God spoken to us personally. When we began to join together, we see the fulfillment together. And it's an amazing journey.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Mm. <clears throat> oh. We will wrap it up, but Pratyash Astley, I'm so glad that God orchestrated your life like this because it becomes a testimony to us. I'm so glad you're in the United States not working so that you can volunteer for us yes. do outreach ministry and yes. look forward to so many memories we're going to create together here. Thank God bless you. you. You can be seated. Thank you. You American girls, man, y'all, y'all got that reputation reputation. I, I just wrap up real quick. I think that testimony was what you need to hear. You don't need to hear a lot from me, but I want to say the same things I said before. Now that you've heard the testimony, they weren't just looking for love. They were looking for God's will. Yeah. If you chase God's will, you're, you will find what God, what you need to have. Yeah. If you chase love, you'll end up in some messed up places sometimes. Chase God's will. And here's the big thing. You can trust God with your love life. Whether you are married or single or looking or found, you don't need to go look into the receptionist. You don't need to go look into somebody else. You can trust God's will, chase God's will, not just chasing love. And I said it before, God is active and involved up to the level of our surrender to him. If you are married, surrender your life, your marriage to Christ. If you are single, surrender your love life to Christ and allow Him to be the one who arranges it the way that He sees fit. Amen? Would you stand up with me? What a fun Sunday. Wasn't this cool? I'm telling you, we need to turn this into a Bollywood movie. We need some handsome and beautiful actors and actresses to play these parts. It could be the next big hit bow your heads with me around the room. Father, Lord, I pray that your spirit, as it's already been speaking throughout this service, would continue to speak. Let us hear your voice. I'm going to invite up our prayer team at this time if you guys want to come on up. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, some of us in this room, we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and some of us in this room, we need to surrender to him. This needs to be the moment that we say, God, I'm going to let you write my story. I titled this message originally, When God Writes Your Love Story. But it's not just your love story, it's your life story. If God can write your story, if you can let his hand on the pencil with yours, then all of a sudden something beautiful can be written through your life. And this might be a moment that that it's time to let go and surrender over to the Lord. Maybe this testimony was exactly what you needed to hear this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ, I just wanna surrender over to him, would you just wave your hand at me so I can pray with you? Can we just pray together? Say, Jesus, I need you. So from this day forward, I surrender my life completely to you. You write my story and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for watching this message today. We ask that you hit the subscribe button and share this message on all social platforms. And we are hoping that you were encouraged and blessed by what you heard. And we cannot wait to see you next time.